Welcome to the Advanced Born Global podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advanced.org, the professional network for overseas Australians. This podcast introduces remarkable Australians who have built their career overseas. We celebrate their optimism, creativity and resourcefulness to succeed across the globe. In this series, we meet the 2021 Advance Award winners. During each episode, I inform the interviewee that they will receive an Advance Award. Listen out for their unfiltered and heartfelt responses. I hope you enjoy getting to know more about these inspiring global Australians. In this podcast, you will meet Professor Patricia Davidson, winner of the Education and Research Award in 2021. In your role as Vice-Chancellor at University of Wollongong, tell us about what your day-to-day looks like and and how you're using what you learnt in those years overseas. Well, I never thought my pandemic preparedness or experiences would be so useful. Um, I lived, you know, a year and a half in the US during the pandemic at the beginning and some of the really lowest periods, um, you know, I think in American society, at least for this generation, you know, the number of deaths were just amazing. I'm a health professional and at the beginning of the pandemic, people would say, I said, look, it will never get like Wuhan. It will never get like um, what was happening in Italy in March. But over that year, you know, the level of suffering and deaths and also for me as a leader, my responsibilities, particularly at a place like Johns Hopkins. So I truly, I learned so much as a leader. I learned so much about science. And so in a way, I've had a trial run for COVID in Australia, even though it's not been any easier, but can I tell you, it's made me very grateful to be an Australian. Still now, you know, a year and a half into the pandemic, there's almost a thousand deaths a day from COVID in the United States. So by the time the pandemic's over, maybe 2% of the population will have died. And in spite of the fact we kind of uh, are engaged in political discourse, debate and division, it says a lot about a country like Australia where we're not prepared to tolerate deaths. And so as an Australian, I'm really proud. And I had a really good trial run for the challenges that every leader in Australia, in every business, big or small, is facing and that decision to come home, was it irrespective of the pandemic that you decided to come home and just what to do next after such an incredible position in the US? How did it come to be to end up as a vice chancellor of a university? Well, look, can I tell you, I'm an alumna of the University of Wollongong and I did my nursing training at Wollongong. And can I tell you, becoming the dean at Johns Hopkins was pretty amazing because firstly, I was Australian and where is Wollongong? In fact, the new dean has has what is an appropriate pedigree for, uh, you know, she was a Harvard undergraduate. So um, I think I learned a lot in the US, but the pandemic, like for all of us, really made us stop and think. And I've heard that from many 
expats, and I'm sure you're seeing it in your network. You know, it's even though being overseas is stimulating and exciting, being away from your family is tough. And I was always there thinking I could be back in 24 hours if something bad happened. But then I realized that I couldn't be. And over that year, I became a grandmother for the first time. My sister became seriously ill and was hospitalized. And it just made me think, you know, as much as I enjoy my job, it's time to come home. And the transitions, I love it on your website, Joanna, that you talk about the transitions. You know, it's not as seamless as people find. Um, every transition brings challenges and opportunities. But at that time, I was thinking about it, the University of Wollongong came up and I had no idea I would, would get it. And people will laugh. When I, when I interviewed for Hopkins, I had three Carla Zampatti outfits and I always credit Carla Zampatti for giving me the job. Because the first interview, I walked in with an orange suit and I thought, okay, you know. So for this interview, literally, I put my own colour in my hair. I cut my own hair. I didn't have a new outfit. I was doing the interview via Zoom. And lo and behold, I got the job. And it's such an honour to come home. It's such an, a real opportunity to merge my worlds. And so I'm one of those people who kind of doesn't let go easily of relationships or people. And so now I'm back in Australia, I still feel I'm very much part of Hopkins. And also I'm using my knowledge and networks to connect a whole lot of other people. So for example, Universities Australia, Vice Chancellor Ian Martin from Deakin, it was doing a piece of work on helping Universities Australia around compulsory vaccination. So, you know, I had the connection just to set up an email and a conversation. So I hope I can really use my networks to advance people's careers. And if I could just give one reflection, I was at University of Technology, Sydney, when I, before I went to Hopkins, and Attila Bruns, who's a phenomenal leader and a phenomenal vice chancellor, um, and I loved working for him. He said to me, this is such a big loss for nursing when I went to the US. But can I tell you, I achieved more for Australian nursing being the Dean of Johns Hopkins for eight years than I would have if I'd stayed just in my job at UTS, where I was very happy and successful, but it just opened doors and opportunities, not just for me, but for my colleagues, and I hope for Australia. That's so powerful. And the that reflection on how you can help Australia from overseas in, in a more, a long-term way, not only when you're over there, but when you return, as you did with, you know, being able to connect people and just knowing those networks. It's such a great example of that. Your journey is very interesting. And as a nurse and then a nurse educator, and also just, it sounds like you've got this really incredible reputation as a mentor. Tell us why that is important to you and how that came about and what, it, what you get from those mentoring relationships. Oh, well, you know, there is nothing more uh, rewarding than seeing your mentees thrive and survive. And don't tell too many people, but my 
secret tool for leadership is surrounding myself by people that are smarter than I am and have different skills. So I'm always on on the lookout for talent. I'm not, and I can pick it. I, I don't know why, but I just very rarely I'm wrong. But, you know, I can look, walk into a group of students and I can see, oh, that's, that's the person. And that's held me in good stead. And it's really interesting from my personal background. So I'm incredibly proud of being a nurse. You know, I grew up in a time where, you know, my, like my mother wouldn't, didn't want me to be a nurse. You know, um, my career was kind of, I went to a school where my career goals were set. And I wasn't exposed to nursing, but sadly my mother died when, like I was in sixth form at school. And I'd never really seen the work of nurses. And... I thought that's amazing. And at that time, it took me a while to articulate those emotions, but I was kind of jealous of them because they could reach my mother and they could provide comfort. And it's an interesting journey where you end up. And this week, just this week, I've sent a message to the HSC students who I feel so sorry for them at the moment and their parents and their teachers because we've got this crazy notion that your ATAR and what you get in your leaving year is going to define your life. It's crazy. There's so many pathways. I was a dropout from ANU. My, you know, basically my life after my mother had died, like it's to be expected, was not on track. And so I dropped out and then I sort of went into nursing and from the very first weeks, I thought, that's where I am at. But there's something really interesting about nursing. And, you know, life and careers is, are always, I think, defined by money, sex and power. And nursing as a very feminized career has not had the status or the appreciation. But there was a fascinating piece in Forbes magazine last year from the president of Pace University. And he unpacked why are nurses consistently the most valued and trusted profession. And it's really interesting. His background is in business. So, you know, that ability to assess, to be empathetic, to surmise a situation quickly... I think many of those skills that I obtained being a nurse and being a clinician for many years has sort of really helped me in leadership and mentorship. It doesn't mean that I'm a pushover. My husband would say, you've got to be on a ventilator in this house to get any sympathy. Um, but I think it allows you to get people to just be the very best they can. And I just think uh, for many nurses, our time has come. And in fact, the president of the whole of the Johns Hopkins Health System, which is a $9 billion operation, is a nurse. So I think when you look at your leadership journey, nurses are good on what people call soft skills, but I call them essential skills. So sorry, Joanna, that was a long way of saying, you know, mentorship. I love people. I love learning. I love uh, learning from others. And I've just had the joy and privilege to be in a profession and a career that's allowed me to develop and grow and grow others along the way. Oh, it, it's 
it's amazing and, and such a great reflection on why nurses are able to sort of succeed in other fields and really quickly manage situations that others would find difficult in that combination. So that's really powerful. We had a bit of an ulterior motive coming together today and we did want to let you know that in this education and research category, you are a finalist, but that you have won the award and we wanted to let you know. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm over. That is just amazing. So thanks for nominating me. And whatever I can do to give back, and I hope, you know, that I can really do a lot for women and that I can really do a lot for networking and connections. Also, I'm really proud to be able to give this accolade to my alma mater, where I'm now the Vice-Chancellor. And can I tell you, my colleagues at Hopkins are already excited about the media that is to date. <laughs> so um, just as I hope I made Australia look good at Hopkins, I'm also giving Hopkins a little bit of notoriety down under as well. Thanks so much for that. I'm a bit overcome, to be honest. A new baby and a... And a an award. Oh, congratulations. I've thought a lot about what being an Australian and why we're very effective on the world stage is that I think Australians, we spend our whole time looking out to the world. Whereas in many other countries, they don't. They look in. In the United States, people just look in. And I don't think that you know, that's something that I, I was talking to some Australians expats working in Hong Kong. And, you know, it's a real attribute that I, as a society we have, that something else is different and better. Uh, can I tell you, my first year in the US was one of the hardest years of my life because people didn't want me. I mean, I was the president's pick. Um, he saw opportunity but you know where did I go to university the University of Wollongong where's that who's that whereas as I said my successor who's phenomenal she's did her undergrad at Harvard and did a PhD at Hopkins but that's part of the great can-do of Australians and I'll tell you the story of how I worked with Australians in the US I recruited a guy to the school and someone said, oh, I don't know what he does, but he must be important. He's Australian. <laughs> and then the other story I'll just leave you with, you know, we do live in a great country. I always reflected on get coming home and getting off a plane, being greeted by the Army and Air Force and put on a bus and you didn't know where you were going and you felt perfectly safe. I mean... It's pretty, uh, we don't, we don't want this rhetoric of xenophobia but, and, and nationalism, but it's pretty great to live in a country where, where we do feel safe and where we do care about each other. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more on the winners of the 2021 Advance Awards, please go to our website, advance.org. You can scroll through and learn more about over 150 game changers who have been recognised by Advance over the last 10 years.